You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. We are at the LCMS convention in Milwaukee, and we have some special guests. This has been fun getting to talk with special guests yes. all week here at the LCMS convention. We're going to head to the Navy today. Did you know you're joining the Navy today? No, but, you know, I just thought I'd get drafted eventually. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live uncommon. We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series as well today mm-hmm. as we encourage folks, especially men, to consider serving in second career in, in the office of pastor. Or in this case, we're talking with chaplains. Joining us today, we have Chaplain James Hopskin. Excuse me, Chaplain James Hopkins from the U.S. Navy. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. And Chaplain Gregory Todd, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it's just great to be here. Two Navy chaplains at the table today. I feel very, very blessed and very special to, to and have this underdressed. time with you. And this is true. Um, <laughs> and some, some very special things happening at this convention as well. Um, we have uh, a special award, the St. Martin of Tours Award, being given at this convention as well. Um, our chaplains today have both have unique stories about becoming a chaplain. We'll start with you, Chaplain Todd, and the the path to becoming a a Navy chaplain. Where did that begin? Well, you know, it really began in seminary. We had the opportunity to talk with folks from the different services, and it was interesting to me. But I grew up in Seattle, Navy town, and so the idea of the Navy serving also with the Marine Corps, also with the Coast Guard, was pretty interesting. So I got in on a student program while I was in seminary. Mm. Enjoyed it had a lot of fun with it. Uh, it was particularly the Marine Corps that kind of kept me in. I love the fact that I was out ministering with people in a very real environment. You know, you're out camping and you're, you're with the Marines in, in their culture, their environment. And there weren't a lot of masks. It was very uh, raw and honest ministry. I really liked that. But I, I uh, got out of seminary and had a couple parishes and did the reserve time while kind of on the side and was enjoying it, but it really felt like I needed to follow the call to at least try one tour on active duty. I thought I would do four years on active duty, and now it's been, oh gosh, maybe 30 years later, I'm still on active duty and, and <laughs> don't have the good sense to know when to go home again. So I'm waiting for the Navy to let me know that. Might be kind of a broad question, but has it have you liked it? Has it been rewarding for you? Or what, what, what challenges have you met that's been unexpected? Yeah, you know, it, it is super rewarding. I'm, I'm that kind of person that's driven by a sense of uh, wanting to be part of something, uh, you know, meaningful, mm-hmm. something powerful. And so, you know, you want to be kind of where you're at the pointy end of the spear what's happening with people and in, in some of the raw mom- moments of their lives. And that's been... Uh, that's been the career. Uh, I was one of the first responders uh, in New York after 9-11. I was a chaplain with the Coast Guard then. Uh, afterwards, I deployed uh, with Marines to uh, both OIF and Afghanistan. Uh, but more than that, just being with people in the quiet moments when they're struggling with things, when, particularly when you're deployed with them and all, that's been so, so satisfying. And what's funny is, uh, years later, 20 years later, I'll have someone come up to me and said, hey, remember when we were sitting on the pier and, and I was telling you this and 
and you just gave me some great advice and we prayed together and it worked out and I just really am thankful for that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm thankful for it too. I'm not sure I remembered that, <laughs> but you know, the sense of, of being able to connect people over, over time and, and where they need you the most, super satisfying. What are some of the challenges that uh, those who are serving face today that a, a chaplain can, uh, what have you been able to support? What are the typical situations, or maybe there aren't typical situations where you're able to support someone you've, you've, in your vocation as a chaplain? Well, you know, a, a, lot of the, a lot of the people we're dealing with are young people, 18 to 25-year-old people. That's the bulk of our, of our flock, so to speak. And in, in this current age, there's just a kind of a nihilistic age mm. where they don't have yeah. that sense of meaning, purpose, values, uh, you know. And so when you join the military, you're really forced into the deeper questions of life. Like, you know, why are you here? And what, what's worth dying for? You know, those are kind of eternal questions. And until they've joined the military, a lot of these young people have never been confronted with that. And then when they are confronted wow, what a great opportunity. And you have these just very raw kind of open conversations with them. And then at the right time, you can tell them about Jesus. You know, you can tell about someone who thought you were worth dying for. And that really makes an impact with these, with these kids. It's, 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 for me, it's just one of the most satisfying mm-hmm. ministries I've had. So, Chaplain Hopkins, where does your story begin um, maybe even before you were thinking about serving as a chaplain, what were you doing before you even started thinking about serving as a chaplain? Yeah, I was thinking probably about doing almost anything else. Uh, <laughs> I remember at times growing up in Bolingbrook, Illinois, and I remember my mother saying to me that, that I was going to grow up and be a pastor. And I was like, maybe she's talking about my twin brother. Maybe that, that's probably not for me. But when I first really had a meaningful encounter with a chaplain. It was when I was serving on active duty in the Marine Corps in Afghanistan on the 22nd Marine Expeditionary Unit. And that was actually when I met uh, the man to my right, Chaplain Todd, who we were really out there in, in no man's land. I believe that this was at a Ford operating base pain in Tarancote. Yep. Maybe it didn't even have the name yet. I think we gave it the name, didn't we? Yeah, well, I knew we gave it the name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I wasn't sure that, that he'd been killed yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, Ron, Ron Payne. Yeah, but I, Ron I, Payne. I knew that we were, I, I'd been on a, on a lawn patrol, I think well over a month. And I came back and was doing kind of a rest and refit, and maybe we were going to get ready to punch out again. And I don't know how much time I had left before I went back out on patrol, but Chaplain Todd had the little tent set up with the cami netting and the pews, makeshift, I don't know what you could have, sandbags or something that yeah. you made that out of. <laughs> we, we threw something together. Yeah. And then there in the midst of, you know, the, the very real possibility that you mentioned of, of what's worth dying for and, and death impending, that Chaplain Todd gave me the body and blood of Jesus, that he brought life to a place that was really teeming with death. And that made a more of a difference than I knew at the moment. We talk about planting a seed, and I, this is probably one of the best pictures of that because it, it was growing for years without my knowing because I continued my career after the Marine Corps. I ended up, long story short, I was working as an intelligence officer for the Defense Department in D.C. When 
And I spent a bunch of time down in uh, Central and South America in that capacity. And I'd come back and uh, was looking for maybe a different lifestyle. And I thought I was settling down. And that was when I began to experience more of an inward call. This was after I'd, I'd taken a little break, went to grad school in Chicago. When I got you know, another strong call back mm-hmm. to, to more active life as a Christian. And I, I began discerning this call and I, I looked around and I said, you know, I love this job. I, lo- I loved, frankly, the, the, I liked making good money. Uh, I liked my lifestyle. And, but I did look around and I said, other people can do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not the only one who speaks languages. I'm not the only one who has the clearance or whatever. Other people can do this. I don't, I don't know that everybody can be a pastor. I don't know that everybody can be a chaplain and I need to take it seriously. And uh, I took it seriously enough to, to leave my career and enroll in seminary at Fort Wayne where you would have thought that I would have had the chaplaincy on my mind, but I had very faithful men mention it to me and I kind of brushed it off. And it wasn't until I became, I began to approach ordination and I said, you know, if I'm going to be a pastor, I need, and if I want to continue to serve, I need to do it in a way that's congruent with the office of the Holy Ministry. And that was when I started exploring more seriously this, this calling. I'm so glad I did. It's been so rewarding. I, I can go on all day. Maybe we need a break. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but I could listen to you all day. That's very inspiring. So moving on to maybe some of, you mentioned some of the, challenges of this vocation and you mentioned sort of the nihilistic kind of i don't know attitude of especially young people today it's the it's the kind of our society right now yeah and these and these young people are being raised in a society where where no one is making them think about the fact that they have a soul yeah and have you seen a change too because you've been doing this for a long time yeah is it Worse now, you think, than maybe it was Oh, I do. a decade or two ago? I do. Well, yeah. you know, let's be honest. Ministry to sailors, Marines, yeah. Coast Guardsmen, that's always been a little gritty. Yeah. You, you know, and, <laughs> sure. and you have to accept that when you get into it. But, but the young people that we're, we're, we're getting now have not had the benefit of, frankly, a, a spiritual society, a Christian society. Mm-hmm or a society that has taught them how to think about deeper things. And so not only is it a little gritty, but they also don't have the resources to deal with it. And so there is an incredible opportunity for chaplains, pastors to interact with. They're very open to it. It's not yeah. like we get, the, you know, we get the hand up and we're not going to talk to you. They're very open to that conversation. And because chaplains are really part of the organization where we, you know chaplains have been around since the founding of the republic and so they know where we fit in the organization and we have an automatic trust you can lose that trust but it's nice that it begins with trust mm. and they they learn that at boot camp chaplains help them get through boot camp so when they get out to the fleet they're open to talk to us so it's it's a great opportunity it's the public square, though. Don't get don't get me wrong. It's not like yeah. you know hugs and kumbaya. It's it's uh-huh. these are pretty robust conversations, but they're substantial conversations. They mean something, 
And, and that's the part that's really satisfying about the job. We have more to talk about with our Navy chaplains, Chaplain Hopkins and Chaplain Todd in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. We are at the LCMS convention in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Have the opportunity to speak with two of our U.S. Navy chaplains, Chaplain Hopkins and Chaplain Todd. And quite the story because your stories overlap, yet both serving as chaplains today. And let's go back to your story, Chaplain Hopkins. Second career, you you had a great career, a very rewarding career, it sounds like, serving in the military and you and the Department of Defense, grad school, continuing to grow in your career and made that that change. You you decided to go to seminary, study and, and become a pastor. What was it like walking away from all those... Nice things that you had, you know, the, the, the great job and, and I'm sure probably great salary and all those things. What was it like to, to set those aside, to go back to school and be a student again? <laughs> it, it was scary. I stayed involved in the Marine Corps Reserves while I was still going through seminary because I admit, I mean, I, I did have a, some sense of, I, th- I thought maybe this is wise for me to stay a little bit involved. What, in, what if this doesn't work out and so on? But I did, I did eventually have to put my face completely forward with nothing looking back and I had to detach from that and uh, and especially you know when when I'm ordained and recognizing that this is the task to which I'm being called because God has called me to be a pastor and he adds to that pastoral ministry the dimension of being a navy chaplain but it's not as if well some people will be pastors and some people will be chaplains I mean if you're if you're a Missouri Synod chaplain you are a pastor and you cannot be anything else. Mm. Uh, what was it like being a student of theology, having studied all the other things that you had studied, now sitting in, in theology classes, graduate level theology classes, what was that like for you? Did you have to study languages as well? Of course, languages happily, unlike math and engineering, came rather naturally to me. So I think I was a good student of the languages. And uh, I really, really enjoyed my entire residential education. I would would not personally do it any other way. I really think that the pastoral formation that happens at each of our seminaries is absolutely crucial to to forming pastors and future chaplains. I'm not saying there's there's no other way to get information, but taking the time to really sit down and be dedicated to the study of God's word and the application of it in a pastoral context is is absolutely necessary and it served me well in my congregation. I don't think I've mentioned this yet, but I'm, I'm a reserve chaplain. So I'm a full-time pastor also. So I serve a congregation in Boston mm. and the experiences that I have in the Navy, I feel that they are, they are mutually equipping. As I said, pastors are, are who, who become chaplains, right? Yeah. But also my experiences as a chaplain and being in the public square, as Admiral Todd referenced, 
is crucial because my congregation is in the public square very much. I mean, in, in that setting and being ready to not be surprised at some of the life experiences and perspectives that people have and being able to listen and recognize your opportunity to proclaim the gospel to them. So I've, I've found that the vocation has been you know, re, very much mutually reinforcing and it's in both of its settings. Mm-hmm. You know, James is a great example of the opportunities we have in the military to recruit amazing men to be pastors. You know, he learned leadership in the Marine Corps. He was a leader in the Marine Corps. When he went on to seminary, he gets theology, but he still brings all that leadership experience to the pastoral office. So we find that when we are recruiting pastoral candidates out of the military, we get some great pastors out of it. Sure. There's some universal skills there, I bet, that translate across multiple vocations. Well, there's a certain rule in the Marine Corps that officers always eat last. Uh So it's always about about taking care of your Marines. Well, that's a pastoral attitude right there. Taking care of your parishioners. Yeah. 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 So right along those lines, you guys are both specifically Lutheran chaplains. Yeah. And we talked with Chaplain Mueller a little bit about this, how he and, and you all can, you, you serve multiple walks and, and, and you help in, in lots of different situations, you know, dark moments, struggling moments for people in different, all branches of the military. But what does it mean to be a, a Lutheran chaplain? And, and can you be, can you enlist or enroll and, and be in the military and be Lutheran and and not just be lumped in with the rest of the Christians? Is there, <laughs> is there a distinction? Because you went to specifically Lutheran seminaries. Yeah, you know, that's funny because we really, it, from a sy- system viewpoint within the military, they want us to be distinctly who we are. Uh-huh. That's the strength of it. This kind of watered over, you know, good for everybody sort of thing yeah. is not working. That's mm. not what they want. We need you to represent as a Lutheran. And, you know, I've been doing this for over 30 years, and there have been challenges. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There's some challenges, particularly when we talk about communion. Yeah. We don't do joint communion. We we do specifically Lutheran communion. But, you know, there's a lot of support for that, too. And to be distinctively a pastor, a Lutheran pastor, has a lot of support to it. And, you know, among the Lutheran service members— they just love it when they run across one. Of I us. bet. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right. They go crazy. Seeing a like, unicorn in the wild. There's yeah. one of mine. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Big hugs and yes. the whole thing. James, I don't know if you thought about it the same way too. It, well, it, your your story there reminds me that you know I grew up in the in the Lutheran Church. My dad is a pastor. I, it's almost as if even though I went through confirmation, I had no practical awareness that anything else existed. And then my first <laughs> encounter with a with a chaplain is a Missouri Synod pastor. I'm like, yeah, I guess that really is all there is. <laughs> <laughs> At least for you. But I know it's not like that for everybody, which you know, leads me to, to one of my points, which is that we would love for it to be that way for everybody, but we need more men to serve as pastors and chaplains in the Navy and all the armed forces. Well, I'm only concerned about the Navy. Right Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> I figure once they look at us, they won't look at us. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, mean, Navy, Marine Corps, and Coast Guard. What, what more do you want? <laughs> Did you know that as a Navy chaplain with a Marine Corps unit, you get to wear the Marine Corps uniform? <laughs> if you didn't know that, now you know that. And you have no reason. <laughs> 
to hold back. Built-in marketing. That's really <laughs> yeah, it is. So expand on that, though. What is the need for chaplains right now? Well, you know, not since the end of the Cold War has the Navy wanted to grow the chaplain corps. You know, there's mm. a limited amount of people that the Navy can have as part of the ranks. But the Navy has made a decision they need more chaplains, which is huge. So a lot of opportunity to grow. We're having trouble with the recruiting. Mm. But in terms of the opportunity, it's huge. We're, we've got chaplains serving on ships more, at some of the smaller ships, but also the Marine Corps is asking for more and the Coast Guard is asking for more. It's a booming business. The only thing yeah. that's, that's holding us back is being able to recruit. Mm. If even the military has recognized that we need greater spiritual care and we need more Lutheran pastors, now you know too. Yeah. yeah. Great point. What does that mean? We need more spiritual care. What if if the Navy and other branches of the military recognize that we need spiritual care? What is it? What great value is there in spiritual care? Obviously, as Lutherans, we know what that is. Yeah. But the the Navy recognizes it too. Tell me more about that. Well, you know, the last few years, it's always been uh, falling down on. Well, it's a mental health issue. Mental health issue. Mental health issue. And the mental health providers now are saying, no, not every issue is a mental health issue. In fact, a lot of these things are spiritual issues. They'll say that. It has to do with meaning, purpose, and values, a sense of sacrifice, a sense of the transcendent, Mm -hmm. a sense of the divine. Those are all things that are part of being a human. It's been interesting because the, the, the DOD has actually paid for research on what does it mean to have a spiritual mm. side? And they did research with 6,000 special operating forces folks and really teased out this idea of spirituality. And it, it comes down to things like meaning, purpose, and values, things that are ancient, you know, the connection yeah. to the divine, connection to the transcendent. But yet our society somehow got disconnected from it. And now they're saying, hey, it's, it's a warrior question that we've had for centuries, and we need to go back to it. Chaplains become the go-to people to have that conversation. Wow. And strong theologians and strong pastors are, are equipped for this because if, if we believe what we say about Holy Scripture and the sufficiency of God's Word and the effectiveness of that Word in sacraments, then we recognize it does not just work inside your parish walls, that it has to work anywhere. It has to work in the middle of the ocean. It has to work at a forward operating base in Afghanistan, Mm -hmm. just as it has to work at a deathbed. It has to work everywhere, and it does. We have just a couple minutes left. I'm going to pack in as much as I can. Talking about recruiting uh, Navy chaplains, as Lutherans, you serve as Lutheran chaplains. Who else might you be serving alongside? What other chaplains might you be serving alongside? You're a Lutheran chaplain, but there are going to be chaplains from other denominations, other religions even, correct? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, predominantly the chaplain corps is made up of evangelical Christians. Okay. That, that just seems to be the group that is kind of biased towards joining the chaplain corps. But, you know, also Episcopalians, Orthodox, uh, Eastern Orthodox Christians, Roman Catholic, Buddhists. Uh, Muslims, Jewish personnel. So uh, there's a variety. In the Chaplain Corps, the Navy Chaplain Corps, we have upwards of 200 distinctly different faith traditions. So that is the whole Man. breadth and scope of American 
faith. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's huge, which also, it's a great experience because you get to rub shoulders and kind of have those conversations in the public square. Yeah. I love the conversations, particularly with, with some of our other liturgical traditions and, and really getting, you know, I don't know, they're just wonderful conversations with them. James, I don't know if you have had the benefit of those kind of conversations with other faith traditions. They're fun. I, they, they are fun, and it's, it's a pluralistic environment. Yeah. But in that way, it's really just a microcosm of the rest of the United States, which is no surprise because that's where we get our military from. Yeah. So it should be no surprise that we experience in an institution like the Navy the same diversity of, of, of opinion and so on yeah. and theology even that we find out in the public square. So it's not like when you come into the Navy, you're coming into this very different kind of place where you can't have discussions. You're, you're an American. Mm-hmm. Right. And our, our chaplains, I, I got I to give credit to our seminaries. Our chaplains are very well prepared for that at conversation in the public square. We have great education, some, you know, experience with some philosophical traditions, some the, the ancient fathers. Those, those things serve us well. I had a conversation with Admiral the other day, and he happens to be an Augustinian scholar. He can quote Augustine from memory. <laughs> He's a great warfighter too, but he he enjoys those conversations, and our education serves us well in this environment. We have just about a minute left. I'd love to hear from each of you what you found most rewarding about your mm-hmm. career as chaplains. Well, I think the the go-to answer for me is always going to be the provision of God's word and sacrament to His people. But I feel like because that as a for any pastor that kind of should go without saying. So I'll add to this one of the functions of a chaplain, which is ad- advisement. When people high up are going to ask you, not if they can get away with doing something, but if what they are doing is, is right, if it is morally right. And that seems to be a place where folks wonder if that question ever gets asked. And they don't know that chaplains and your Lutheran pastors have a voice there that speaks truth to power faithfully and 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 has a has a role in guiding those decisions according to god's word that has been really rewarding and so surprising my answer is simple the pure gospel preaching the pure gospel and having someone come to me and say i've never heard that before and and i want to hear more that is so satisfying Mm. i think that should serve as a a way to get more (laughs) <laughs> More people to become chaplains because that was going to be my my last period on the on the discussion was what would you tell somebody yeah to so, join so yeah. Re- reach out to to the ministry to the armed forces and and we will we will get you going LCMS chaps at lcms.org our guest today Chaplain James Hopkins thank you so much for joining us today and Chaplain Gregory Todd thank you thank you both for being our guests on the coffee hour here at the convention. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Jordan Harms. 
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere.